This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Manny Bazunas filling in for Sterling Fox this Saturday, May 2nd, 2020. Coming up in our first hour, weathering the financial storm. We've invited David Yan, Vice President of Wealth Management at Envision Financial, a person who has seen his share of financial storms over his 20-plus years in the financial industry. And in hour two, we welcome back John. John Carlson of 2% Realty. John's last appearance on Vancouver Consumer was chock full of great advice on how buyers and sellers can prepare for when the real estate market normalizes. John's back to share his latest observations. But first, a look at some of the stories that jumped out at us this past week on Vancouver Consumer. From our Too Good to Be True file, after more than a month of free metered parking in Vancouver, the revenue loss coupled with complaints that cars were parked too long. You now have to pay again or face a ticket and possible tow. Vancouver citywide freebie is over. Pay parking is the city's third largest revenue source after property taxes and development permits. Healthcare workers working through their employers will continue to be provided with free parking. With pressure mounting from all business sectors to reopen the economy, the provincial government is set to announce plans this coming week uh, on how to reopen certain sectors including restaurants. But the Premier said it won't be business as usual. If restaurants are to reopen, they will follow the same procedures and protocols that have been put in place at grocery stores, for example. Crowding around a bar just ain't going to happen. By the way, a new survey from Restaurants Canada shows 75% of restaurants are either very or extremely concerned about their current level of debt. And if conditions do not improve, one out of every two independent restaurants do not expect to survive. Across Canada, 800,000 food service workers have been laid off. The Canadian Chamber of Commerce surveyed almost 13,000 businesses this past month. One-third said their revenue is down 40%. Food service, arts, entertainment, recreation, retail, all down. But there were sectors of the economy that actually enjoyed an increase in biz. Agriculture, forestry, fishing, hunting, and utility sectors reported either status quo or an increase in revenue. The majority of businesses across all sectors said they could resume normal operations within a month if and when physical distancing is removed. We're going to get a lot closer to a gentleman by the name of David Yan when we come back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. David's vice president of Envision Financial. He has a lot of experience, more than two decades of it, weathering financial storms, and he's going to share some of that experience. David Yan is responsible for the financial performance and overall direction of Envision Financial's wealth management operation. We thought we'd bring uh, David on with us to talk a little bit about uh, what to do in terms of weathering the storm. COVID-19 has caused uh, many of us to rethink our approach to banking, and for some it's had a large impact on our finances. Although COVID-19 may be new, financial storms in our lives are nothing new. Things like losing a loved one, 
job loss, divorce are a few examples of major life changes which impact our finances. Being prepared and learning how to weather these storms is an incredibly important skill set. involves many areas, including investing, banking, estate planning, borrowing, and insurance. And to that, David Yan's got more than 20 years handling all of that as a VP of Wealth Management at Envision Financial. David, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Manny. Thanks for having me on the show. We talked about weathering the storm. We hinted that that's going to be the topic du jour. Why is uh, this such an important topic for listeners today? Manny, there's going to be times in all our lives where we're going to need to face various storms. These events are already such an emotional time, whether it be COVID-19, which affects the entire population, or you're dealing with your own personal storms, such as, as you mentioned, a job loss or a death, and the added impact of finances is yet another layer of stress. How you weather these storms will mainly depend on how well you've prepared for them. Well, that's where you and your folks at Envision Financial come in. How, what is the process? A person comes in and makes an appointment and seeks out David or one of your team members over there, and, you know, I'm concerned that my portfolio isn't doing well over at such and such an institution. I see my retirement withering uh, you know, like a bad flower in the garden. Uh, you know, wh- what do I do? In addition to that, I'm concerned about my heirs. Right. Well, there's, there's lots. I mean, at Envision Financial, we want to absolutely deal with what we term intergenerational wealth for our members. We want to help them when they're younger about helping to build and accumulate wealth. As they get older into those retirement years, helping them preserve that wealth and really make sure there's enough wealth for them for them to enjoy retirement. And the, the third stage, which we often don't talk enough about is, and you just mentioned about the heirs, is transferring that wealth to the next generation and really um, you know, understanding whether or not it's to, to, um, to children, to charities, whatever it might be. But that's the whole phase there. And really sitting down with, with your banker, who will more than likely involve a team of experts to help you, you know, walk through those. And, and you know, emotion plays a big part in that as well. David Yan, responsible for the financial performance and overall strategic direction of Envision Financial Division's wealth management operation. David Yan, 20 years in the banking industry. Uh, how to get a hold of David for some, uh, some good advice on weathering this financial storm. EnvisionFinancial.ca, EnvisionFinancial.ca. You know, uh, David, there was a time when my letter carrier around the 10th or 11th of every month would uh, bring my financial statement, my uh, portfolio performance for the previous month, and I... I used to leap at this letter carrier like a rabid dog because as soon as I opened that envelope, I saw, you know, what good returns I was getting. These days, I'm hard-pressed to even open the envelope. And uh, that, that's that got what you talked about a moment ago, a certain stress and anxiety factor I just did not think was going to happen. Yeah, you know, and, and, and during this time especially, um, we were very active contacting our members um, with what's gone on in March. We knew that the March statements were not going to look very well. So again, letting our members know that what to expect, because what happens is they, they tend to panic and it can lead to knee jerk reactions, which can sometimes lead to poor decisions. Um, sometimes very costly decisions. You know, let's just take an example of what's happened just over the past few months, Manny. Let's use the TSX stock index for our scenario. All the North American stock markets actually started the year off quite well. They were hitting all-time highs in mid-February. The TSX actually peaked on February 20th at 17944 up about 5% year-to-date at that time. Then COVID-19 started impacting the markets, particularly in mid-March. 
the TSX hit its low point on March 23rd to 11,228, which was a 37% drop from its February 20th high, really one month later. I can promise you that there were a lot of your listeners that sold some some or all of their investments during this time. That would not have been recommended course of action for obvious reasons. Since March 23rd, TSX has rebounded by over 30%. So as as you can see, the worst thing that someone could have done was actually sold on March 23rd or thereabouts, because by doing so, they would have actually realized a loss. Up until then, an investor just had a paper loss. And you don't actually have a true loss or gain until you actually sell. By selling, they missed out on the big upswing in the market. Well, I like that. Uh, I, I like that description of it. It's a it's a paper loss until you sell. I've never heard that from a, a financial expert. The the, the virus, uh, David, is uh, you know it's obviously top of mind. Uh, but this isn't the first time the markets have stumbled. How does it compare to other events like this, or are there comparisons? Well, you know what? It, it really depends on what you might want to compare it to. So, as a health scare affecting the markets, it's comparable to SARS, H one N one, the Ebola outbreak. Truth of the matter is that SARS and Ebola actually had a much higher mortality rate than COVID-19 does. But it's obviously quite evident that COVID-19 has spread much more quickly, affected vastly more of the global population. Um, From a non-health-wise, you can compare it to 9-11 and Brexit with respect to the impact on, um, on the markets. However, every time there's a major outbreak or event that deeply affects the markets, people will say, well, this time it's different. The reality is that all these large-scale market events have different circumstances surrounding them, a different market drop, a different time horizon to recover. But the one thing in common is that the markets do bounce back, and they have done so each and every time. Sometimes it took weeks, sometimes it took uh, took years, but they bounce back. So my biggest advice for investors is to focus on the long term, pause before you panic, hopefully they're working with an investment advisor that can take those emotions out of their decisions. David Yan, Vice President, Wealth Management, Envision Financial. EnvisionFinancial.ca. You are listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Manny Bazunas filling in for Sterling Fox this weekend. Uh, David, in your uh, 20 years, um, and I think, you know, I've been in the markets for at least that uh, through a financial advisor. And, you know, over the years, I've heard many folks in your industry talk about uh, putting up some defensive structures on my portfolio. Uh, is this what you're advising clients now to do? Yeah. And, and you know what? Um, really what we're telling them to make sure they're looking at doing right now is, is looking for the longer term. Why did they invest in the first place? What's their time horizon? If nothing's really changed in terms of their objectives, their time horizon, their risk tolerance to some degree, and sometimes this tests someone's risk tolerance. Um, you, you, you stay invested and, and you sit down with your advisor and understand you know, what circumstances have changed. And from a defensive standpoint, it's more about having the advisor looking at are there opportunities in the market right now not necessarily making wholesale changes, but have there been some companies out there, some certain funds that have actually dropped a lot in value that don't make a lot of sense? It's been sort of part of the overall drop in the market. So there are some opportunities you can find. But one of the things that we often talk about for, invest- for, for investors is they're often asking, where's the bottom? Have we reached the bottom yet? And the reality is this. We don't know. We don't know right now. It's had a nice run-up since, the, since it, it hit its bottom, but might it drop back down? We don't know until actually in the future when we're looking back to see what took place. It's often a losing proposition when investors try to buy at the bottom and sell at the peak. So there's a saying I like to, to share. It's, it's not about timing the market. 
It's about time in the market. I think that's a very important distinction. Uh, anybody who tries to time the market, I think, uh, is taking a, a real risk. And that's why you really need to seek out the help of a very, very expert financial team. David Yan leads that team as Vice President Wealth Management at Envision Financial. EnvisionFinancial.ca is how you reach David and or a member of his team. EnvisionFinancial.ca. EnvisionFinancial.ca. C-A. So the tips then, uh, David, uh, in a couple of minutes we got remaining on this particular segment, uh, tips for investors during this uh, slowdown or virus, uh, however you want to pan it. Uh, is there one single thing that jumps out where a person can say, yeah, i got to do that tomorrow? No, I, I would strong. I know there's lots of individuals that actually uh, probably um, invest on their own, and and some people want to spend the time, and some people really have the knowledge there. It's 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 an art form, and and you've got to have the time to put in there. I'd say work with an advisor. You know, most of our members uh, fortunately have an advisor working with them, and and it's an, it's so beneficial, especially during this time when they're the voice of reason. They talk you through your emotions. They remind you about taking a longer term perspective. And I'll just leave with this analogy on, uh, with respect to advice. I heard a terrific analogy that I sometimes use, and although it may not be appropriate during this current environment, since no one's really traveling nowadays on a plane, um, imagine this. You're riding in an airplane. Everything's going fine. You're enjoying a nice beverage, perhaps watching a movie, waiting to arrive at your destination. All of a sudden, turbulence hits. Would your immediate reaction be to go to the pilot's chair and land the plane yourself? <laughs> of course not. You trust the pilot, you ride out the turbulence, and you get to your destination. And in this case, your pilot's your investment advisor. Sit down with your advisor and just make sure things are still current, things make sense for yourself. And if changes need to be made, they'll make them with you. But, um, you know, asset allocation, diversification, um, those are all key things that your advisor will work with you. And if, you're in, in, if you have those done properly, You'll be fine. Yeah, I like that analogy, uh, racing for the uh, flight cabin and taking over the controls yourself. Uh, gosh knows uh, we'd be hard-pressed to find the, the wheel. Yeah, <laughs> never, absolutely. never mind the rest of the instruments. Uh, David, what are you suggesting to your uh, team of financial advisors when they're dealing with folks like me who contact you at envisionfinancial.ca? What, what, is, uh, what is the tenor or the timber of the conversation that you're having with people who want to talk to you about uh, how they're feeling and what they should be doing with their portfolio? Yeah, I mean, right now, especially around this time, it's, it's really about finding out what they're feeling, forgetting their investment. I mean, very often the investment is, is secondary right now. I mean, a lot of people are at home. They just want to talk to somebody in most cases. But there's other things that are happening in their lives. We obviously will get to their investment portfolio, but very often it's not their major concern. Perhaps they have got their statement. But it, it is about coming in, and, and in this case we're now do, doing, a three -way, uh, doing three way video conferencing or, or having that conversation over the phone to really understand. Has anything changed? And our biggest concern right now is people are pushing off issues. It's a sort of an analogy with the hospitals that you're hearing out there right now. People aren't going to see their family doctor. People aren't going to the hospital. The same thing here. You've got some issues that people have pushed off because there's not the face-to-face -face meeting or they think COVID-19 is overruling everything. Come on in. Talk to us. Not necessarily come to the branch. Talk to us because some of these issues will become big problems if you don't take care of it. They're not going to disappear. 
So that's one of the things we absolutely want to do. And if it's a new member that we're meeting for the first time, really having that discovery conversation, finding out everything about them, both their family, about what makes them tick, what's important to them, what's their objectives, um, what investments do they currently have. And from there, we can come up with some recommendations and do some retirement planning, estate planning, some long-term planning for them. Well, we're going to talk about all of those in a moment, uh, David. What about the person who uh, might have a financial plan with another financial institution, uh, wants to talk to you anyway, get a quote-unquote second opinion? Uh, how easy it is it for you uh, to switch over a portfolio to Envision Financial from another financial institution, if that's, mm-hmm. in fact, the choice that the uh, caller wants to make? Absolutely. And, and uh, I don't want to say it's easy as much as I'll say this. Um, it's, it's easily done, but it's, it's, it's a process. We want to sit down with an individual, have a further conversation to really understand. And we're not there to tell you what your portfolio you know, is, isn't performing well or performing well. We want to sit down and say, does it match your overall plan, your time horizon, your risk tolerance, your objectives? And if at that time we come up with a plan and the member likes what we've talked about, it is very easy to transfer those assets over. We'll ask for a copy of the statement to kind of find out how it fits in with what our plans are. We're joined by David Yan, Vice President Wealth Management at Envision Financial. How do you reach David? It's really easy. Vice President Wealth Management at Envision Financial, envisionfinancial.ca, envisionfinancial.ca. If there ever was a time, uh, David, that people are thinking about money, how much they're losing, how much they are not earning, uh, now is the time. Uh, But you had mentioned in the first segment, you know, financial storms that you help weather people through at Envision Financial. They're not new. Absolutely not. And I guess you, you as uh, the vice president of wealth management, uh, you know, you've learned a few things over the years on how to manage expectations, manage anxiety. Uh, but prior to these uh, storms, what were some of the ways in which people could be prepared to ensure whether the market moves up or down, they can have some peace of mind and don't need to react to what is happening. You touched on it in the first segment. I, I want you to elongate your answer on that, though. Yeah, and I think the key one there was, was working with an advisor and really making sure that the, the reasons you're investing, your investment objectives, your time horizon, your risk tolerance, because this will determine your proper asset allocation you should have. And that's about what equities, bonds, and cash what percentages? Very often, the majority of your overall return is a direct result of your asset allocation and not because of the individual fund or stock selection. For example, a balanced portfolio of equity and bonds would reduce the impact of any dramatic downturns or upturns in the market since your portfolio is not 100% in equities. Ensuring that you're well diversified, and diversification means don't have all your eggs in one basket. You're not all investing in one particular stock or one particular sector or industry or in one particular region or country. This reduces the volatility in your, in your portfolio. And the last thing I just thought I'd share here is, you know, be familiar. Hopefully all your listeners are familiar with the concept of dollar cost averaging. And when you go to a bank or a credit union, you'll hear different names like pre-authorized contributions or pre-authorized purchase plans. And this is about planning for the future and having money set aside. And, you know, it's, it's about setting a pre-authorized transfer of payment to an investment account, let's say $100 every two weeks when you get paid. It systematically purchases these units for you bi-weekly in a mutual fund, for example. The fund price drops, you're actually okay with that because you're actually buying more units with your $100. You're less concerned about the ups and downs. It's a great way to save for your RSP or TFSA, and that reduces the volatility of your investments. 
by ensuring you've got a long-term plan, you just don't need to react when a crisis hits. Well, I think that's what most people are looking for, uh, David, when we talk about, you know, diversification and some of the options that you can offer from Envision Financial is, uh, you know, some great protection, whether the market's moving up or down. I want to move into quickly the uh, second portion, what I think is really critical. And you mentioned it briefly in the first segment about the three stages, you know, uh, starting out as a saving, uh, building and accumulating for retirement. And then there's those two words that all of us need to face at some point estate planning right what what are what are some of the areas of confusion around estate planning when i hear those two words i'm thinking well does that mean i leave my house to this kid and a bank account to that kid or how good is that kid going to be 20 years from now should i leave that kid any money you know lots of questions well, there can be, and I think a lot of people um, will think, well, you know, a will is it. That's all I need to do. So first off, a will is very important. Um, what's concerning to me, though, is that in a 2018 Angus Reid report revealed that 51% of Canadians did not even have a signed will in place. So as much as the will is the foundation of an estate plan, a lot of people don't have that. But it's not the only consideration. So just because you have a will, there's other things you need to think about. Power of attorneys and representation agreements have become very popular you go to a notary or, or an estate lawyer to do a will, very often these will be presented. And they're, they're, they're um, documents that listeners need to be aware of. I'm going to briefly explain the differences between a power of attorney and a representation agreement. Uh, the power of attorney is where you've appointed someone to look after your financial affairs, while a representation agreement is where you appoint a representative to look after your health affairs. This could range from medication to end of life. And, and this is important because especially when one spouse has passed away, we've heard of those cases, those court cases where your, your mother or father is on life support and because you don't have a representation agreement, three or four children are in dispute as to what, sh- what should happen. Making those decisions in advance, appointing someone who you trust to be your representative for those decisions is very important. The power of attorney becomes very important, especially in situations where someone's hospitalized and becomes incapacitated to make financial decisions. And, and this has happened in COVID-19, I'm sure. And this is vital, especially to ensure that you have an enduring power of attorney, which allows you to make those decisions when someone's in the hospital. But I, nothing's worse at the credit union when, when a parent is in the hospital, both parents are in the hospital, they've been in an accident, they're incapacitated, and the children come in wanting access to their funds to help them, and they can't. Oh There's no power of attorney being, been put in place. So I think it's, it's a, it's, um, you need to make sure you trust whoever you're putting in these positions, but it is very important, and it's things that I think um, your listeners should be aware of. You, you mentioned uh, having a will. Um, what about a living will? What's the difference? A living will was really actually more of a representation agreement. That's okay. really about the, 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 on the um, health side. So the will itself is, is obviously about your estate. What, what assets are in your name only? That's another key point, Manny, is that too, many pe- too often people will actually put things into joint names. And um, not, especially when one spouse has passed away, they'll make their children joint or one child joint. Understanding the impact of that sometimes is that your will does not take into effect any assets that are joint with right of survivorship. Mm-hmm. And that's key. And we see that happen too often where your intention was to leave it for three kids. You added one child just because they live with you or it's convenient. They don't, the others don't live by. And that child now has no legal obligation to share it. And the parents thought was, well, the will will take precedent. It doesn't. 
So there's, there's also tax implications with making things joint. So there, there, there's a huge area in estate planning. I know at Envision Financial, we do retirement planning, estate planning sessions for a whole hour that we'll sit down and explain some of these concepts to people. So um, my, my advice is just talk to an advisor, talk to a notary or, or a lawyer, and um, you know, make sure that a lot of the issues that you might have, um, that you become aware of how you can maybe resolve some of them. David Yan, Vice President, Wealth Management, Envision Financial, joining us on this edition of Vancouver Consumer. Manny Bazunas filling in for Sterling Fox. How do you reach David and or a member of his team? EnvisionFinancial.ca, EnvisionFinancial.ca. One of the things with having a will, and I've, I've got one, uh, David, is, you know, there are certain life changes that can happen, you know, every six months, and that means... Uh, you know, changing the will. Does that mean I have to come back to David and his team and say, well, you know, this happened uh, within the last six months. i got to change the will. What are some of the things that require a change in the will, as you've seen from, uh, you know, clients of Envision Financial? Yeah, and, and there's, a, there's, there's a lot. And, um, and it may not even be every six months, but whether or not it's every two or three years, we always encourage people to either update their will every five years or when there's a major life event. Again, divorce or a marriage. You obviously want to update your will there. Um, my, uh, having children, having minor children, you want to make sure you state who the, the guardians are going to be as well. Um, if you've um, uh, a death of a beneficiary, you want to make sure you update those things. Changing, changes in your assets. Um, whether or not you have a business or a, or a, or a cabin, a recreational property, all these things that um, can absolutely affect the will. Um, so very important, whenever you do have a major change, talk to your advisor. Uh, again, the, here at Envision Financial, we don't draw up the will. We obviously uh, partner up with the uh, representatives that are out there in the legal, in legal uh, industry. But uh, we will provide some advice and then actually have them help draw it up. And if it's just a simple change, sometimes it's something called a codicil. It's just an add-on. Once you have too many changes, you might as well do a new will. Yeah, otherwise, uh, you know, you're, you're writing in the, uh, in the margins. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. and it becomes more confusing. Yeah, I remember a Wills and Estate lawyer that I had done a show with um, many years ago, and his advice, and I'll get a second opinion from you on this, David, when it comes to planning your estate uh, and writing up a will, if there are any children involved, that you should wait until the child is aged 35 before they inherit any money. I would definitely, my personal opinion, and I have two kids that are 22 and 24 right now, and it's about how much do you trust them with, with their money and how responsible have they been and how much do you want to provide them? At, at, during those times, which you can dictate. I think very often people forget that. You can set up something called a testamentary trust in your will to, to determine how much actually comes out if you, want to, if you want to make those determinations. Very important when you're dealing with minor children. Very important when you're dealing with children with disabilities um, who you may be concerned might be taken advantage of or perhaps cannot handle their own money depending on what the disability is. But there, there are definitely ways to do that. I would not be, I would definitely leave money for my children before 35. I'm coming to your house. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, how much you might want to leave for them. But it is about responsibility. If one of your ch- children can't, can't save money or just spends it or has other issues, um, you, you want to be very careful there. And again, there's ways of, of, of piecing out certain funds to them through a testamentary trust. David Gann, Vice President, Wealth Management, Envision Financial, envisionfinancial.ca. Uh, I could 
talk to you for hours, uh, David, because uh, one of my passions, uh, besides real estate, uh, mortgages, is everything financial, including my own personal uh, financial portfolio. And I have resisted being a single person my entire life. I have resisted the thought of life insurance. But uh, you pointed out uh, when we... uh, when we spoke earlier in the week, just how important life insurance is, especially now. Well, it, well, it is. And you know what? I mean, um, there's lots of families that are out there, lots of, uh, obviously, husbands and wives who are um, depend on each other to um, for, for you know, ensuring that their lives continue, their retirement plans are in place. Life insurance absolutely fits in, especially with COVID-19. We've had over 3,000 Canadians that have passed away, um, over 65,000 with our American neighbors. Uh, let, me, let me give you a brief example of a, of a situation where life insurance could have helped someone in, in a financial storm situation. Back when I worked with one of my previous employers, there was a, a watch company that had a business right across the street. The company had been in business for close to 25 years. Father had slowly built the company over the years to be very profitable. He had his three daughters actually working in the business. And the plan was for the three of them to eventually take over the business. That was sort of the retirement plan. Unfortunately, he passed away unexpectedly. And with CRA, there's a deemed disposition of the business upon his death. And because the business had grown over the years, the capital gain that the estate had to pay was substantial. Family didn't have the funds without selling the business and all the assets in the business. And by doing so, the succession plan for the daughters was out the window. They each had to find different careers. If the father had simply sat down with an advisor who had looked at the implications of, you know, if he passed away, what would happen, they would identify the estate tax that would have uh, hit, and the purchase of a simple life insurance policy would have saved the business for the family during this type of financial storm. Well, it, it, the life insurance money would have paid off what was owing the CRA. Is Absolutely. that what you're suggesting? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We would have identified that there was a $500,000 tax liability, and that would have been taken care of, and the business could have continued on. If I call you, David, at envisionfinancial.ca, get your phone number, and I say, well, you know what, I'm a, of this age, I'm a single person, I've got people who I love and adore and want to leave some dough to, uh, what is the calculation on how much life insurance a person should get or how little a person should get? No, it's not as simple as that, man. We absolutely go into a deep conversation about understanding, you know, um, does the spouse work? What are they, what are they, what, what are, what's the intention of the insurance? Is it for children? Is it for the standard of living? Whatever it might be for the family. So we sit down, we do, we have analysis where we sit down and do a sort of a life insurance review. An insurance review is not just about life insurance. There's critical illness. There's disability insurance. It's all that stuff that we look at because there's nothing that, de- that will derail a retirement plan or create a financial storm like a long-term illness or death of a spouse or a parent for that matter. And so having the proper insurance in place and having a review done can significantly alleviate future stress. Well, you know, you're, you're paying a premium uh, basically to set up a bank account uh, that somebody else is going to put money into. Well, and I hate to say it, when, if it happens early in your life, it's a huge return for you. Can you imagine if you only paid one or two years of premium and you're getting that paid uh, payout later on? Um, I personally have set up a whole life policy as well. And, and I've done that, not necessarily strictly from a leaving a legacy standpoint, which, which I've done a little bit. I did it from an investment standpoint. You know, I've, 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 I've been fortunate. I've maxed out my RSPs and my TFSAs. And I've actually done it from an investment standpoint. So uh, there's different reasons to look at insurance. And I think it plays a part in a financial planning for sure. 
Well, now that you have told me you've got a life insurance policy, I just want to remind you how to spell my last name, B U Z. I don't think my spouse would appreciate that. <laughs> David Yan, Vice President, Wealth Management, Envision Financial. How do you get a hold of David? Envisionfinancial.ca. I want to thank David for joining us. Well, thank you again to David Yan, Vice President of Wealth Management, Envisionfinancial.ca. And coming up, John Carlson of 2% Realty on some really interesting things going on in the current real estate market. But first, Andrew Ferreira, executive producer of Vancouver Consumer. And on this edition of Ask Andrew, Andrew, I do not see you as a gun guy. And I'm not. I'm not. Of course, you know, being the the young man that I am, I do play, you know, shooter video games. But that's that's a different story. Uh, but the big news uh, yesterday was uh, the Liberal government passing down an, uh, uh, a ban on more than 1,500 assault-style rifles. Uh, there will be a two-year amnesty period, so you've got you know two years to kind of sort everything out. Uh, Public Safety Minister Bill Blair, in you know, he's this is plain. He said, and I quote, "They don't belong in our communities." I don't think it's uh, any more complicated than that. There is no, absolutely it, no reason, in my opinion, that you should have a multi-shot automatic weapon of any kind no uh the ban includes and you know they 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 made a point of pointing this out but the ban does include you know a lot of the guns that have been used in canadian shootings the ruger mini 14 which was used in the ecole polytechnique massacre uh the m14 semiotic which was used in the if you remember the 2014 moncton shooting uh you know all these different kinds of guns are are, are illegal as of yesterday uh david lametti said that if you're going to attempt to surrender the firearm uh, please don't while social distancing is, is in effect, you know, we don't want to need to take that risk anymore. Um, and you know, there's a large consensus and, you know, uh, prime minister Trudeau said this, I believe this, and I think you believe this there. Why does the average Joe need, you know, uh, an assault rifle? Well, I think the argument is this, or the situation is this, that you've got people who say, well, you know, I'm a law abiding citizen. I pay my taxes. And I use this gun for recreation or hunting or whatever. And then you got that other portion of the the gun-toting population who are complete whack jobs. The, the, the problem is you don't know which is which when you're doling out the, the licenses. Like, I don't know who you are, where you are. Yeah, I've done some background checking and, you know, the Mounties have done this and that before you can get the guy, blah, blah, blah. I don't know whether you're a psychopath or you're not a psychopath. The other problem with that we have and this could be a real problem with the banning of these rifles is how do you stop the importation from across the border a friend of mine on the toronto homicide squad said the majority of guns seized in toronto homicides are these makeshift models and i fear if you're going to put a ban i i totally agree with the ban but if you ban all of these weapons, what are the makeshift models that are going to find their way into the marketplace? I think that's something that should be considered. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.